everybody. I uh, hope you're doing amazing. Um, I have got someone from the other side of the world over in the US, a recently published author of ours, um, Karen Child, uh, with Leadership in the Trenches, which is the book behind it. Thank you so much for joining us on your Sunday evening. Yes, thank you for having me. Amazing. We were just talking with Karen before. How long ago did we meet? And like, when did it, you know, how did it all start? And we actually said it was probably our anniversary right now because she came to a seminar um, 12 months ago. It was August. And then she attended our November retreat. Um, and then with the Christmas and all that, you know, this side of the year, she's um, completed this amazing book project um, that is now, you know, she's planning her launch party. And today, guys, we're here to talk about, you know, that topic about management survival in no man's land. <laughs> so before we get stuck into, into the topic, let me give you Karen's official introduction and then we'll um, get into all of the bits and pieces and how long she had been thinking about writing a book and all that sort of stuff. So Karen Housechild is an experienced presenter, workshop facilitator, consultant and a trained educator with a unique 30-year career in higher education. She has a background in leadership and communication, organisation and planning achieving industry-leading results. Karen believes that good leadership comes from never giving up and always trying to better yourself. It also comes from giving yourself a break. You can't do it right every time, but even if you're aiming for the bullseye, you must take the blindfold off. A better you makes a better leader. Karen is an engaging, interactive, approachable speaker and facilitator who offers practical can-do strategies to thrive in the leadership trenches by telling stories and sharing real-life examples to inspire you to become a better leader. Amazing. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this because we always look for ways we can be better leaders because every single person, I believe, is a leader in some shape or form in their lives. Is that right? Oh, yes, definitely. I think that um, you can have formal leadership and you can have informal leadership. And the, the formal leaders are the ones that have a title, perhaps, attached to their name. But yes. the informal leaders are the people that are working in the trenches with you that are leading their peers and um, having an influence on them. Yeah. So tell me about where did the idea that uh, was born uh, when it comes to leadership in the trenches? Let's go back to you know, the seed that started you, started you on this journey. And then we can talk yes. about some of your hot, hot tips and strategies from all this experience you've got. Okay, yeah. So I think I've always wanted to write a book. I was trying to pinpoint when I actually had that desire, but it's just, I guess it's one of those bucket list things that I've always wanted to do. And I was actually reading a book um, about, yeah, about, called The Proximity Principle. And one of the things that it said was, the reason we don't do things is because of pride and fear. And that just struck me right in the heart because the night before I was talking with my best friend and I was like, I really want to write a book, but if I write a book, somebody's going to have to read it. And I was, and it just, I was like, Oh man. And so, uh, and then the very next day is when I, I, I learned about the, the ultimate 48 author literally, and then made an appointment and, and got the ball rolling. So the subject I guess because I've been in middle management for so long and um, it, it just, that was where I landed. I have a thousand ideas, but I was like, well, what do I know the most about that I can speak with um, expertise and, you know, a million stories and this is where I landed. So, yeah. So it was really more that desire of, you know, 
I've been wanting to do it or it's been there in the back of my mind, but I, you know, and the catalyst was reading that bit in the book. And the fact that you took such fast action probably was good to not, you know how they say, feel the fear and do it anyway, or right. if you don't want to step into fear, just take action. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Cause I thought, well, I can just, I can still, still be afraid to do it and I'll always be afraid. So why not face it head on, which is kind of like what you have to do to be a good leader is you don't necessarily know exactly what you're doing, but you just have to try. Yeah. So thankful that I met you and Sue and the whole team there and, you know, got it in so yeah so let's talk a little bit about now what's in the book and some of the yeah. strategies that you know you share and um you know it's always good to to listen i always love hearing about leadership and going it's good to like kind of have it um explained again do you know what i mean because sometimes we can get into a particular comfort zone and all that sort of stuff so you've been in a leadership position the last 30 years is that right oh well in some form or fashion um yes i mean i started off as supervising students when mm -hmm. as yeah. you mentioned like i've worked in higher education so i started off supervising students yeah. but now i supervise the staff of professionals so i've kind of evolved over over those 30 years in in that way yeah so what in your opinion is excellent leadership so to talk to me about how does someone, you know, um, maintain that high performance and excellent leadership over such a long period of time? Right. Well, I think that you have to have the desire to be better. You have to have the passion for people. If you don't, if you don't like working with people, um, it, it can be really, really challenging. But I think you have to have a passion for wanting to be better in your role. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you can't you can't necessarily know everything. And, and I even say in the back of my book, I'm I'm still a work in progress. I definitely know, don't know everything that there is to know about being a great leader, but I, I want to mm. aspire to do that. So that's a certain level of humility and being willing to allow someone to say, hey, that didn't go so well, and you not get wrapped around the axle about it and go, okay, well, you know, that that didn't go well and let me let me find a, bit, a way to do it. And then the things that do go well, you yeah. know, lot and say hey that worked really really well and now i'm going to the next time i do that i'm going to do it better the next time so i guess having a growth mindset of always like i can always do better in my yeah. role to influence people for the better because part of being a good leader is making the lives of the people that you're influencing and working with better as a result of working with you I, and and most people leave their jobs because they have a terrible boss and i I don't want to be that person that someone leaves their job because because yeah. I want at the at the at the head of the ship. So yeah, and well, a lot of the time, you know, they say it actually it's not true that people leave because for income or or you know hourly rates. It's more like the leadership and how the culture that has been created by that leader in there in that particular right. environment. Right, I, right, and and culture is gonna culture is gonna evolve whether you're intentional or not. And so I'm a firm believer that you influence the culture. And so you should be really, really intentional about the culture because otherwise it's gonna, it's gonna evolve anyway, but in, with, without any direction or intention, it could go yeah. sideways. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I, I, I completely agree. And you sometimes reflect on, if you see our companies from the outside, how it is and, and certain things that they do, even like um, small businesses, you know, who have a lot of staff turnover versus ones that have people that do stick around and 
you know, what is it that they're doing differently, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, I think a lot of them are, are realizing that, you know, their people have lives besides the work that they're doing for you. And they understand that they're a whole person. They have, there's a part in my book where I talk about, you know, all the, all the things that happen to a person when they wake up in the morning and all the decisions they have to make. And so you, you wake up, the alarm goes off, you get dressed, you take care of the dog, the kids, whatever, you know, pack your lunch, you got to deal with traffic, whatever the case may be. And that's all before you get to the office, yeah. you know? So, uh, you know, maybe they had a disagreement with somebody or maybe they got an upsetting email. So there's a lot of things that influence, you know, people's daily lives. And I think it's important as a leader to recognize that you have whole people sitting in your office and that they're, you know, they, they can't necessarily compartmentalize their work separate from their life. That's right, because when something um, got, happens in our lives, that definitely enters our productivity and our effectiveness in our jobs. And we right. need to have empathy and patience sometimes when people are going through tough times, right? Right, right. Yeah, I think there's times, you know, that you have to just give grace, still hold people accountable to getting work done, but sometimes they just need a break. Yeah. And um, you help you maybe a little course correction to help them get them back on track and get them the support they need. A lot of businesses have, employee support programs and free counseling or um you know some some resource in the community that can help people in lots of different ways so you know part of it would be pointing pointing your employees to to those kinds of uh, resources beyond just the you know the the nuclear unit where you're working yeah that's a great idea i remember when i met you as well something you said you know how much you love to continue reading books and developing yourself and finding new ways to be better and all that, which is, um, you know, quite unique. And I think one of the things that just because you're employed by somebody, um, you know, and you're not say that the business owner or whatever it is, doesn't mean you can't have that passion for learning and growth within your roles. You know, tell me right. a more about that. Like, you know, because that's something I remember you telling me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'm a learner by nature. So um, I and it, actually this weekend I was running an errand with my daughter and she's like, mom, here's a book on leadership. And I was like, no, 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 I don't need to read another one. I was like, oh no, I'm going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it. Uh, yeah. I think you have to have a growth mindset in that way and all, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be reading a book. Some people yeah. don't enjoy reading or they would prefer to listen to a book. With the internet being what it is, um, you can with a click, a quick click of a, of a button, you can you know be into the World Wide Web, finding multiple topics on leadership or group development, communication, organizational development. It just goes on and on. So sometimes I'm working on something that's specific to my particular style that I might be finding a book or a webinar or a podcast that I'm like, okay, I wanna I wanna know more about this or how can I take that information and and adjust it and ingest it for my own growth and development. But then there are other times that I'm looking because I I see something that someone on my staff has said, you know, I want to grow or be better in this way. And so I I'm a great collector of information too. That's another one of my strengths. So um, I'm quick to say, hey, you know, here's this, here's either something that I've read or been introduced to, and you might want to read it. And it might just be a quick, a quick email article. Yeah, or, yeah. Like here's a like from a professional standpoint, lots of lots of businesses have professional um, professional organizations above them that that feed 
need the professional growth of the people in, in the group. So I might say, well, hey, this is an area where we all need to grow in our office. And so, you know, I'll pay to have uh, everyone's participation in a webinar or something like that. That's awesome. I, I, I kind of can't help myself. It's just like I said, it's kind of in my nature. But I think even if it is in your nature in order to be better, you have to at least make some strides, you know, even little baby steps forward to be better at whatever it is that your craft is. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about like um, engineering group, good processes. Um, yes. You know, how does that happen and how does someone go about getting into this, especially if they're maybe stepping into a brand new leadership position and um, they're coming into a culture that they're just getting to know and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. Well, I, I would say the first thing they need to do is uh, find out what the processes already are in the organization. My experience has been collectively that um, it isn't told to me. It wasn't, you know, someone didn't sit me down and say, here's all the things that you need to know about how to hire somebody or onboard somebody or, um, you know, paperwork to give somebody a raise or or whatever the case may be. So, you know, if you're stepping into a position, I would say the first thing is make sure you understand what the rules are, because most of the mistakes I've made have been because I didn't know what they were. And then someone told me on the back end, oh, you needed to do it this way or you should have done it that way, which was not the way I like operating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like operating. Um, so, you know, once I understood that and, you know, and to be honest, it, it took a couple of years, but once I understood it, then I decided, okay, well, what can I do to make it meaningful for my group within the larger organization to garner the, the types of people that I want working in my office and to make it a, a meaningful and useful interview process. My, that's a, a perfect example is most people, um, don't don't know how to do a good interview and so you know the candidates left kind of flailing and the the staff that's doing the interviews left kind of flailing and so again i learned about a way to do that i talk about that in my book as well and I, i'm never gonna go back i don't care what yeah. anyone says but um but it still falls within the guidelines of my my larger institution you know that that i i still meet the expectations of the search but i've made it personal to our particular office to try to make it a meaningful process for you know for everyone involved not just the people that work there yeah i i remember doing that when i was working for a corporate um you know within an optical um you know large optical chain the biggest one here in australia um you know that have their systems and procedures and all that kind of stuff but whenever i would walk into a store I would kind of look at those things and then implement some of my own processes that I thought worked. And it didn't right. as you, you didn't go against the rules, as, as you say. That's that's a believe what you're meaning. Right, right. I mean, you could you could. I mean, I could keep you here for hours talking about all the different ways that that could be um, the case. But one of the you know one of the main introductions a new person has is through their interview process with you. So you're putting it your best foot forward, and uh, they're of course putting their best foot forward. But we want to make sure that that um you know they're not giving us lip service about that they're just a wonderful employee without examples of how they you know what they've done in the past there's a yeah. past behavior is an indicator of future behavior so let's let's tell me examples of things that you've done yeah that into what we're doing here in our office and so um but again like i said that specifically fits into the guy you know the guidelines of how a search and i have to communicate with our human resources office and provide them things that they expect but um you know that that would be one example yeah let's talk about conflict <laughs> in the workplace 
Um, that happens. <laughs> happens. Yeah, it does happen. So what are some hot tips on how you approach it? Or maybe you describe a little bit about it in your book, um, share a little bit about that. I know we can talk about communication. We know that's key to, to anything, but yeah. How do you like, you know, that kind of confrontational uh, situation yeah. as a leader? Well, that's, that's, that, yeah, that's challenging because I haven't met anyone that just says I embrace conflict and can't wait to do it on a daily basis. Um, I'd say, uh, taking a step back from the actual moment, one of the things that I've tried to do to help reduce conflict is create a culture where it isn't always me that is providing feedback to people. And I, there is a time and a place for the person that's the the supervisor, the leader, then they might have to step in when there's a conflict. But what one of the things I've been trying to do is to teach the people in my unit how to address one another in a respectful way and provide feedback that can be received. The problem is in, in conflict when it's emotionally charged is that people wait too long to say anything and they kind of sweep everything under the carpet and then someone does something and then it's, you know, they're, yeah, right. People are yelling or or, you know, you know, steaming and then they're talking to their colleagues and it's creating a lot of discontent. I, I call it fanning the flames of discontent. And so and that's hard to manage as a leader because you may not know necessarily who's the one that's fanning those flames. And so uh, one of the things is, like I said, is trying to create a culture where we all have agreed upon expectations for behavior. So this is what this is what communication is and what it isn't. This is what uh accountability that's what this is what accountability is and this is what it isn't and so this is what we all agree on so it makes it easier to go to someone and say you know this isn't aligning with the values that we have in our organization and you know i noticed this and we talk about a, a particular um way it's called sbi or situation behavior impact so when you're telling someone giving them feedback you can say well i noticed that you did this or you didn't do that and when you did or didn't do that, this is how it impacted me or the situation or whatever. So it's not using verbs of to be, am, is, are, was, were. Those are the worst words to use in a conflict. And um, that always escalates because you're attacking the person's character. And 99% of the time, the person's just being who they are and no one has taken the time to give them, give yeah. them the fact that they need in order to understand how their behavior might be impacting you know, either the individual that they're talking to or the group as a whole. Mm, yeah, that's that's some really good tips there. Um, yeah, well, and I, would, uh, I guess I would say the last thing I would say is, is don't let it linger. Like I, my rule is three days. You have three days and if you don't say anything, you just got to lump it. You just you just have to yeah, feel the fear yeah. and just say it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's that kind of resentment and yeah, it blows up and goes out of <laughs> you, what, you make a mountain out of a molehill <laughs> right oh yeah yeah it, it's painful to observe and it's even more painful to be a part of so yeah i want to know have you had to fire people in the past uh thankfully i have not had to fire anyone although i have recently had a conversation with someone that that i i, I said that if something didn't change that we would have to go down that road so um it was a very very positive conversation and the person received the feedback very well and I don't think it's gonna come to that. So yeah, yeah. I always am curious because obviously it is firing somebody is a form of conflict, right? Um, yes. Mm. Yes. Well the only other time that I because uh 
again, to structures that are bigger, our human resources, there's a very specific process that you have to go through in order to dismiss someone, whereas that might not be the case in a smaller business where, you know, you can just say, you know, three strikes you're out or one strike you're out or whatever. So I have to go through the formal processes. And so um, I did have a one employee that I, it was the second formal methodology or the process at the larger institution. And um, at, at the end of the conversation, the person said they quit. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't have to, I didn't have to because they yeah. quit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about communication. How do you, how do you um, facilitate that? You know, like, you know what I mean? What's, over communicating versus under communicating maybe give us yeah. a bit of a um framework because sometimes we may not know that we're doing it too much or too little sometimes you can right. be micromanaging you know which yes is really annoying and then other times it's like yes. you're like a ghost <laughs> yes yes well i i'm i believe that micromanaging is more of an issue of trust than it is of anything else if you don't trust your people then you tend to micromanage um but I'm not sure that there's a situation that I would think that you could over communicate unless you're not communicating appropriate information. Certainly when you're a supervisor, there's some information that you can't share, like personnel actions, for example, like I can't, you know, I can't share with people uh, what I discussed with someone, especially if it's disciplinary in nature. Um, but I would say certainly in terms of the, the mission and the vision of what you're trying to accomplish with your organization or with your department, you, you can't say it enough because people need to understand why you're doing things. So mm. one of the things that I do regularly is explain why, you know, or how I arrived at a decision. Uh, I tend to be pretty, um, pretty collaborative. I like to get lots of input so that to make sure that I'm representing the office well, not only when I'm not in the office and I may be out on campus doing something else, but then also that I'm hearing their voices because they're the one they have a different job than I do people on my staff so I need to make sure that I'm paying attention to what they're experiencing and making sure that we're setting up processes because they're the ones that are going to have to you know implement those processes so I spend a lot of time talking about the why, why we're doing the things that we're doing and certainly seeking feedback in that process mm -hmm. um, a lot of people think that you just tell the the vision the mission and the vision when on the first day or the first week of someone's employment and then hope they remember or they go back to the website or whatever and that just generally doesn't work because people are in the weeds and so they need to be reminded and that's that's you think they forget but it's just you get busy and so it's important to keep that in the front i would say on the contrary side when you communicate less and this is a lesson that i've learned i tend to be the kind of person that um i want as much information as i can and the whole story before i might share share something uh, broadly but one thing that i've learned is that people will make up what they don't understand yeah and then that's how the gossip train gets uh, you know out of control because people are like well i heard this from this person and i heard this from that person and these two people were talking and, and so on and so on and um, so one of the things I've learned is that I need to be communicating things along the way as appropriate, you know, and say, well, I don't have the whole story, but this is what I do know. And this is how it impacts our department. This might be how this, you know, how it fits into the bigger picture of what's going on. But I'm still waiting for these two or three other things to come down the pipeline. So don't, don't, you know, write it down in ink, just put it in pencil, you know, like there's more to come. Yeah. And so and I think that keeps people um, less stressed, it feels less chaotic to them, they feel like they have more control over what's going on. And then I do think it engenders greater trust 
of you as the leader in those yeah yeah i love that like free free framing it but not yeah and um as you said people feel the gaps <laughs> if they don't know something oh yeah oh my god i was doing it i was doing it myself i was in a meeting last week and then i had to stop myself because i was like well i think it might be this or it might be that and i was like you know i don't know the whole story i'm making up things that may or may not be true so i just went Zoop. <laughs> I love that. So what do you hope? Let's move back into the book. Um, okay. The book will do moving forward. Um, what will you do with it? Um, and what 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 are people gonna get out of it if they get their hands on a copy? Right. Well, the way I wrote the book is uh, very conversational. I tried to write it in a way that if you were sitting across mm. a picnic table or you know a desk or we were just sitting somewhere talking and i said well these are some of the things that i've learned over over my time in, in my role that um these are the nuggets that i wish someone had told me 30 years ago it would have saved me some headaches and some frustrations and um at the end of every chapter i've got specific strategies so you know you you kind of read through it and i tell some stories and give some 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 uh what the literature has to say about some things but then there's some very specific things you can do related to that particular topic of the of the chapter that you can walk away with, which is another reason I wrote the book this way, because uh, I have read a lot of books over the years, but it's I can't think of one that I've read and I walked away and I was like, oh, these are like six things that I can do. Yeah, I love that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so uh, these are these are my best nuggets. These are the best things that I've learned over the years and in a very conversational way. Um, I, I, you know, I hope it blesses every single person that reads it. And, and my goal is that I can uh, consult with people that are in middle management, that are stuck between, like in no man's land, you're stuck between the people above you and you're supporting the people that are below you in this kind of this tug of war of, um, of trying to meet de demands in both places. And so my hope is that I can uh, consult with folks or facilitate workshops so that they, people can be better leaders or the people in their units can grow and change and be better contributors to the vision and missions that they have. Yeah, beautiful. And I love, I like you said, practical books. When that, Tell me what to do. Just give me something I, I, I can take action on. You know, it's all well yes. if you know an idea, but where I find change happens is when you can take action on something right and there's actually pages in here that you can scribble on so like you know as ideas come forward or you're like oh i can do this based yeah. on this information so you can write it down right there in the moment you don't have to get a a mm -hmm. sticky note. you can just write it right in the book yeah beautiful so how was the process going through 48 hours so like um you know you did the november retreat you know you yes. stayed up late you know yes. to get through the you know the days and then we were in publishing, you know, early this year and all that. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, going through this program from the other side of the world. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I loved it. It, it. it it was challenging and it pushed me, which is something that I specifically uh, was looking for. But one of the things that really hooked me is that I would be introduced to the world of publishing. I just, you know, I had zero idea. And, uh, and I, it's just been fascinating outside the process of writing the book itself of, like all the decisions that are involved. I just had no idea, you know, yeah. just, you know, where do I want the page numbers to be? What font do I want to use? Um, of course, that's in the latter stages, but just, uh, you know, selecting the right image to communicate to a future reader what uh, the book is about, even before they read the title, that's been wonderful. Yeah. And 
you know, and having the mentorship through you and Stu and, and the rest of your team. And even though I am on the other side of the world, it's just a matter of sending an email and agreeing on a time and, yeah. um, and, and my questions get answered. And even if it's not a zoom meeting, it's been an email. Yeah. Um, and then the, the master, the mastermind classes, I, I, I participated in those to the extent that the time, time difference yeah. would allow, yeah, yeah. but um, that, that was a value added that I'm not sure I realized when I signed on to participate. I, I, I'm sure you mentioned it and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, great. But I, <laughs> I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. And, and I really, to be, to be quite honest, I, I guess at the time I was just interested in writing a book. I had never really thought about it being anything yeah. And what that was and so mm. um, now i've got a whole new sphere of thinking and ideas and um and and you've provided the or the 48 hour author group team has provided these extra added on mastermind um lessons from from you know the experts in those particular areas which is like yeah. wow i mean we've got a really good one coming up for you speak for profit which is first of September here in Australia and 31st of August for you guys. And that's really relevant yeah. to the things you will be doing. And, um, yeah. you know, because you want to facilitate workshops, you want to do all that sort of stuff. So, right. Um, yeah. I'll and, be there. Yeah. And those, and then sales master in November and, you know, I mean, really our work towards the leveraging and the other stuff really begins now, now that the book, right. is here, I know you're hosting a book launch, um, you know, with your family, friends and, colleagues and all that sort of stuff very soon but um yes yeah i mean there's so much that it will unfold uh moving forward we'll probably connect again in six to 12 months and see where where things are at and with your growth mindset and your willingness to learn i think um and i love how you didn't rush you've done things really properly and thoroughly so i've got to commend you to that uh, on that and I want to see you showing up to the master classes, you know, because yep. they, there's six of them a year and you've got them for as long as they exist, <laughs> you know, which I think, uh, you know, we've been running them for six, seven years and it's really yeah. nice to see how authors, you know, kind of grow through, through them in their businesses and what they're doing. All right. So yeah. let's talk about where people can buy your book. Um, yes. Let them know what your website is. I'll put it up on my screen here, you guys, so you can see it. Um, yes. All right. Do you want to spell it out? Because some people will be listening to this. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's Karen. Pardon me? Karen's normal. Spelt normal. Yes. KarenHowshield.com. So that's K-A-R-E-N and then H-A-U-S-C-H-I-L-D. So it looks like Hosschild, even though I pronounce it Howshield.com. I, I say Housechild. <laughs> that's okay. I, I respond either way. <laughs> yeah, so there it is, guys. The book and um, Karen and um, her uh, website here. Um, and the reason we spelt it out is some of you guys may be listening to this as a podcast, so you can find it. But certainly, if you look up leadership in the trenches on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all your good online resellers, you'll also find it there and they'll get it delivered to you. Um, and um, yeah, I, all I want to say is I'm very, very proud of everything you've achieved. It's been lovely working with you. And I can't wait to, you know, catch up in another six to 12 months and just see where everything is at. And I also have a feeling you'll be writing more books in the future, but I'm just. I, I just started my outline. Just yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah, so 
we, we might be talking about publishing in like six to 12 months time, but um, right. yeah, yeah. All, you know, people say, oh, I just want to get the first one bucket list. And then within 12 to 18 months, there's that next conversation. We have. Right, right. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing this evening for you and this morning for us. Um, and I wish you every success. Can't wait to see the book launch photos um, come out soon. Um, yes. Have a wonderful night. And guys, like we say, go out and smash it out. Yes, right. smash it out. Okay, bye.